0: Hey what's up guys, Coach Clint here with Baseball Notes and thank you for joining us on the podcast today and today we have an awesome guest. We have Lauren Johnson, a mental performance coach, uh, has spent four years as the mental conditioning quarter, uh, coordinator excuse me, for the New York Yankees and uh, is out on her own now doing big things and uh, speaking at big summits and just a real up and comer uh, and shares some really helpful insights today um, with youth players and what she's seen with Yankees and uh, you know professional athletes and it's all the same stuff right like what these adults are dealing with are the same as our youth players and uh, helping our youth with uh, these things now is just really valuable because it's not going away right And I really want you to stick around because the entire interview is excellent but the last question, her answer to that is just absolutely awesome, right? And so I really want to make sure it's probably 20, 24 minutes in, something like that, kind of depending on how long I ramble right now, right? But uh, be sure you listen to that and take notes, share it with your kid because it's just excellent advice and just said really well. So anyway, if you haven't checked out what's new at BaseballNotes.com, be sure to do that. Uh, The Bulletproof Hitter, we've redone the the videos and made them more kid-friendly, more easy to watch. And uh, we've also got some cool programs, right? We've got the Swing Made Easy with Mike Brumley, the hitting coordinator of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, We've got the Youth Pitching Made Easy. We've got a workout program. So a lot of really fun things over there at BaseballNotes.com. That's been really helpful for people. And uh, so be sure to check that out. And uh, also, Lauren Johnson, you can find her online. You definitely want to be checking her out as well. And uh, we'll go ahead and get to the podcast. Without further ado, here is Lauren Johnson. All right, Lauren, thanks for being here today with us. Glad to have you.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah, no problem, no problem. So uh, I figured the best place to start with you is just with your background. I'm kind of curious as to you know how you got involved in uh, you know what you're doing now. So where did you? You're a former athlete, correct?
1: Yes, yeah. So I my my sport was soccer. I tried some other sports growing up, but my first love and the thing that I continued all through college was soccer and. Um, I, originally, I wanted to, after, after my undergrad, I wanted to go play overseas. Um, but that kind of changed, you know, an injury that happened my junior, junior year slowed things down because obviously towards the end of your college career, that's when you get looked at by potential teams overseas and all of that. And, and not, not like I was like widely sought after in any way, but I knew that was something I was interested in doing. And. My junior year, I received my fourth concussion, and it was really bad um, i it was I had six months took six six months off couldn't play the rest of the season and had post concussion syndrome and senior year, I finally got cleared to play in third game into my senior year, I received my fifth concussion oh my gosh and my neurologist told me, you know lauren, the damage you had prior you know the 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 post-concussion syndrome that still wasn't fully gone, he pretty much was like, I can't guarantee that won't be permanent if you keep getting these. So his recommendation was to not play anymore. And um, I had to make that tough decision at that time. So that kind of changed my direction. I mean, originally that's what I wanted to do first and uh, it kind of changed my direction. So while I was getting my degree, um, I got my degree in kinesiology and I minored in psychology. Um, I thought I wanted to go into physical therapy and I just wasn't sold on that profession, at least for myself. And so I had, I had decided to take an elective course in sports psychology Mm. and I completely fell in love with it. Like I had no expectations. I just had, I needed to fulfill this like credit, thought it was interesting, took it, was the only person who signed up for the course and completely fell in love with it. I, and a lot of people, they ask, well, why did you fall in love with it? And the answer is super simple. It was because I was the athlete that needed it.
0: Oh, okay. Every, I was, was going to yeah. ask if that was like in your, speaking to your heart, you know what I mean?
1: It was. Every concept I was reading, every story I heard, I just saw myself in it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really realized I could make a difference in other athletes' lives where they mm-hmm. didn't look back and go, why was I so limited? Why wasn't I able to play to my full potential? And I think that, you know, the reason why I wasn't able to play the way I wanted to most of the time was because I got in the way.
0: Yeah, no, and I love hearing people's path along the way, you know what I mean? Especially the ones, I mean, really, it's almost universal. If somebody shares deep enough, like things, I don't know if I know anybody that things went perfectly to plan, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there was like this devastating rug pull out from underneath of you, uh, I don't think this is going to work type thing. And, uh, you know, the people that stick with it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like have, have a chance to have, you know, um, you know, get to work with prestigious companies and with, you know, very interesting people like you're doing now. So, so let me ask you a question here about your time with the Yankees, uh, because I think that, uh, you know, with, with our younger players that I deal with baseball and softball, it's you know, always the same things. Uh, kids are very hard on themselves. Um, they are afraid of messing up, and there's a lot of self-doubt, right, like they don't belong, like like their peers are better than them type deal, and uh, I know as uh, a former minor leaguer myself that those are exactly what I was dealing with, um, but whenever you're dealing with your professional baseball players, is it is it different? I mean, is it those same topics? I mean, what are you constantly having to address?
1: It's the same thing <laughs> on a different level, right? I mean, I think that the thing that changes as you, you know, grow in terms of and, and you level up, right? Whether you're an amateur or a professional or you're in, you know, the rookie ball versus AAA versus the major leagues, the thing that changes is is what's around you. It's now you're playing in front of, you know, 20 plus thousand people in the mm-hmm. audience versus maybe 10 it's the stakes are higher and I think therefore they matter even more <laughs> while they matter no matter what but a lot of people what I've noticed don't spend as much time there until it becomes really obvious they need it and which is nothing there's nothing wrong with that per se I think people come to the mental mental performance on their own but what we're, where we really see the benefit in terms of their ability to grow is that it doesn't mean your ability is any different, but I think the rate in which you grow does change a little bit based on your ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. And the quicker that you can adapt to circumstances, the quicker you can adapt to difficult situations, whether it's failure, whether it's adversity, whether it's how horribly you're speaking to yourself, that's going to be the de- to the degree that you can grow. And so that's going to we're going to grow faster when we do that. I think... Um, You know, a lot of times when we can find out the things that are limitations to our growth, that's the first step in even being able to grow because you can't change if you're not aware of what needs changing. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to, you know, whether it's doubts, whether it's, you know, developing a routine, whether it's struggling with confidence, guys at the major league and minor league level, you know, they're all professionals. They all deal with that right? And I'm sure you could speak to that. Like you all deal with that. That doesn't necessarily go away. It's just our ability to manage it changes. And I think that's what, that's where I believe mental performance is most beneficial is that the the goal is not necessarily, we don't need to change everything. We're not, our our ability to eliminate discomfort, that's just not going to happen. And not all all discomfort is bad. And so when we kind of look at, it's not, we don't necessarily need to change the fact that we're dealing with adversity or the fact that we're becoming unfocused or, you know, the fact that we're speaking horribly to ourselves, but we can change our response to that when we notice it happening, because I know speaking a certain way to myself is horrible. It still happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the difference now is that I can recognize it when it happens and I can choose something different. And so it doesn't completely ever go away but it's creating these new neural pathways and these new habits to be able to manage and handle those difficult situations when they come our way.
0: Okay, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I um, I like that. It's not a hey, we need to get uh, you know, better outcomes and then I'll be happier. It's like guess what? Like when you get into the big leagues, you're still striking out and now it's on ESPN. Like guess yep. what? That's that's uh you don't the, the option of a smooth smooth ride is not available to us in the sport um so let me ask you then like if you have a player that you're dealing with and they every time that they make a mistake or whatever they're just very angry angry is kind of I don't really like that word there but just like very hard on themselves mm-hmm. um a player comes in and they're just you know like they can get a good, uh, a good game the day before, and then they come in, they struggle, and now it's, you know, the world's ending. What, what can they do? What can they do to interrupt those thoughts, or how would you speak to them?
1: One way that you can work on that, well, number one is first becoming aware of it. If The question I always have is, are you aware of it only now, or are you aware of it when it's actually happening? A lot of us aren't aware when it's actually happening. We're aware after the fact. And so first is we need to bring awareness to the moment. And so that first starts by reflection. And so if you can reflect on when this is happening, the more likely your brain is going to recognize it when it's happening in the moment. So we can start by doing some like journaling exercises and like, hey, how did I speak to myself today? Um, and kind of just, again, reflecting on that moment. And again, the more we do that, the more likely we are to recognize it in the moment that we're in. Um, so bringing that awareness from kind of a faraway view to a closer view. Mm-hmm. Another way that we can do this is for some of my athletes, um, they really like that, that anger expression is, can kind of be like a good thing. It's not always a bad thing. Where it really becomes a bad thing is when it becomes an interruption, when it completely derails our progress, where we can't regain control. And so I had an athlete that, like, he it was, it was actually felt good to get a little bit of it out. And so for him, what we did is we created a boundary is that you can be angry, but it's not okay to quit. You can be frustrated. It's not okay to allow that to control your decisions. And so we created this boundary and where that lied. And so for him, like, for instance, this was one of my golfers, what he did is that we created a boundary that he could be mad until he put the club back in his bag. Oh, okay. And so he created that boundary that when that club went back in my bag I'm moving on and I'm moving on to this next shot. And so for you know a baseball player, when you put the bat you know back in the cubby like you are, I'm out like that's a good that's it. like you can be pissed. you can even hold on to your bat like in the dugout. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can hold on to it if you're not ready like you just need a, another minute and you're you can just hold on to it but the second you put it back, it's over. And so I think that there's also a boundary because I think that frustrations and anger and all that it's not necessarily always a bad thing but it's like fire fire is wonderful right it can help us cook it lights candles it can keep us warm but if we're not careful a fire can burn down an entire forest it can burn down neighborhoods it can do terrible damage and the only difference is one is contained and one isn't and so it's not that you can't be angry. It's not that you can't be frustrated. We just need to make sure we're containing it and we're managing it. And that the clearer we are with the boundaries of where that lies, the better we can be at respecting those boundaries.
0: Uh, okay. I like that. I like that. It's not denying those emotions. It's like, hey, stop being upset that you strike out, be happy that you struck out. And it's like, I don't know that's an right. attainable goal, you know what I mean?
1: That ain't going to work. I know it'll work for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, finding that balance, I think, is good. I know, um, you know, growing up, I was, uh, I, I was always smaller. And so, like, I felt like I was behind and there was kind of like this fear of, of uh, you know, not achieving my goals or whatever. And it kind of drove me to work, you know what I mean? Like, you start to yeah. think, like, man, if I had been easier on myself, there would have been maybe less tears, you know what I mean, growing up. But it's like, man, if you had pulled that out of me, would I have ever a- accomplished anything? So it's kind of like finding that, you know, that, that balance, like you said, of, hey, use it to work, whatever, but don't just go to sleep still, you know what I mean, holding yeah. on to holding onto the bat, so to speak. Like, I haven't put it in the cubby yet, back yet, you know what I mean? I'm still ahead exactly. myself. Uh,
1: yeah, so my, I guess my question would be, to anybody struggling with that, is where, what, how, how does it benefit you? And then where does it not benefit you? We have to first understand those two areas and then be able, then we can start drawing our boundaries when we know when it crosses this line, this is when it becomes detrimental to my performance. But if we can keep it here, this is where it can be really beneficial and useful. And so when we when we finally learn where those boundaries are, then we can begin to work Work in tools that help keep us in in one area and maybe out of another. But before we know that, it's going to be really hard. So I think that just being like, well, just don't speak poorly to yourself. Well, that's not like again, it's just not even realistic for myself. There's still moments where I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? And I'm like, okay, hold on, <laughs> yeah. let's let's reel back in. And so it's more so to me, it's just about our bounce back plan and how quickly we can get back. And so some of these tools and really outlining these areas is going to in. Make sure, or at least work towards a way to manage it, not just like eliminating it, which to me is unrealistic.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. I hadn't heard of that before. I think anybody who's listening to this right now might want to take a second, pause this, and be like, literally, how does this help me to have this emotion? And then at what point does it not help me? You know what I mean? Just getting clear on that is probably a very healthy exercise, I would think, to just be like, okay, yeah, this is when it's going too far. And then once you kinda like do a little rep in your mind of like seeing yourself go too far, it's amazing like that works. The next time that you get there, you are like, okay, we're, we're, yep. we're, we're starting to pout, we're, we're, we're wallowing. You know what I mean? Like we're, yep. we're in a bad spot. Like I should do something else. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it's like, the, it's like think of it like a, a traffic light. Like when it's like green, like this is when it's really helpful, when it's yellow, like all right, we're getting in that area where it's not, maybe it's, it's we're, we're almost to the red. But we don't want it to get to red. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't wanna stop. We don't or we don't wanna um like red should be an indicator that we need to stop. And maybe mm-hmm. it's stepping out of the box. Maybe it's stepping off the mound and taking a breath. Maybe it's, you know, swiping the ground. And that's like, you know, I had a player, he's like every time in between, um, in between pitches and he was an outfielder, he goes, I would every time um at the end of every pitch, when the pitcher would step on the mound, I would swipe my hand on the grass. And that was a physical like reminder that, all right, next pitch, whatever just happened right there, doesn't matter. I'm wiping it off my hands and it's the next pitch. And so whatever that is for you, we can kind of create some sort of symbol, some thought, some routine that gets us back to that green light or back to even yellow. Yellow's better than red. And so we can kind of get ourselves back. To where we need to be, but red should be a signal to stop.
0: Okay, I gotcha. Um, interesting. And so, have you noticed any patterns when you're dealing with your athletes, whether it's golf or you know snowboarding or baseball or whatever? Like, like sort of warning signs, personality-wise. Um, just to kind of give you an example too, like something I've seen with my younger players is that almost every student, I my parents email me right. They they'll they'll email about their kid, and it's almost always the same story: is that the kid's a really good kid right, they stay mostly out of trouble, they get really good grades, and if they get, like, a 98 on a test, guess what their response is, where did I miss, you know what I mean, like, they're upset, they got the 98% uh, A, and not the 100%, and so there's some sort of perfectionism going on there that you're like, hey, I got a great kid, you know what I mean, thumbs up, that's a good thing, um, but now, I, I kind of look at grades a whole lot different, you know what I mean, like, even with, I coach a young team, we're 11U this year, and you know, some of the kids that get most upset and that type of thing, excellent students, right? And so they just don't have much comfort um, with, or they have no, no tolerance for discomfort, right? They, they need it mm-hmm. to go well every time. And so I'm curious from your perspective, like, you know, are there personality traits that you've seen like, okay, this is going to be a little bit more challenging for you. We've really got to get you, you know, uh, comfortable with something else. I mean, can you speak to that at all?
1: Yeah. So what you just said kind of really sparked my memory in terms of uh, I don't know if you've read the the book Mindset um, by Carol Dweck. And uh,
0: I've heard it quoted. I don't think I've read it, but that's a yeah. I've heard it quoted in every. Highly
1: book. recommend. Like especially for parents out there that are struggling with what you just mentioned. Highly recommend reading that book. Um, essentially, what her research talked about was this difference between a fix versus a growth mindset. And somebody with a fixed mindset believes that they can't improve, that they just like their, their, their traits are fixed. So that I'm just not good at math or I'm just not good at pitching, or I'm just not, you know, fill in the blank. They just believe that that's there's, there's, it's fixed and that they can't improve. And so one way to, um, you know, to kind of pay attention that if you're noticing a pattern of, oh, if I'm not perfect, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this black or white thinking that's a very fixed mindset. What they do, people with a fixed mindset, they avoid uncomfortable things. Um, they definitely are really hard on themselves when they don't reach their spot. They often quit too soon and quit early because they feel that effort really doesn't matter because their effort doesn't get them anything or doesn't get them anywhere. And they're really, really, um, it's important for them to see quick results. So if they try something once or twice and they don't see the result, they may give up altogether or somebody with a growth mindset, what they believe is that they can improve, that no matter where they are starting, that they can improve over time. And so maybe if they get a 98, they go, okay, I still have room for improvement. I can always get to 100. Where are those areas? While this is good, maybe like, how do I get to 100? Or how do I get to 99? How do I improve where I'm at? They know that they can get better with repetition and that skill is something that is developed with effort. And so when you look at these two mindsets, um, you know, one of the things that she talks about is she did a study with actual students and instead of giving them grades, if they didn't reach the grade, they wanted to, or a passing grade, what they did is they wrote on the test. Not yet is that you're just not there yet. It doesn't mean you can't get there. So it's not, Oh, you failed this. You're just not there yet. And what it did is it created a path to the future where when we say, oh, you failed, or you reached less than you, were, than you should have, that sometimes it can be very, it can seem final, but we all know that failure isn't final. And so it's how you respond, it's what you do in response to that failure that matters way more than the failure itself. And so one of the things that you can do is again, reminding the, the not yet principle is so important that, hey, you may not be there right now, but you're not there yet how can we get you there what are you going to do about it what are some things you can do that can help improving and when i look at you know i was just talking to an athlete of mine this morning and we were talking about perfectionism and i said she goes was well, here's the problem like i wasn't perfect you know i i i made two mistakes and it wasn't until i was done with those two mistakes that i didn't even realized that i said that's okay right now i want you to think about your mindset like a skill And you didn't even recognize the way you were speaking to yourself until your second mistake. So the gap is here. That's okay. All I care about is let's try and move awareness. The more we repeat this, the quicker you're going to recognize it. And so I don't care that this is your baseline. I care that we're making improvement towards our goal. So her goal is that the second she feels, she notices herself, think a certain way that she can correct it, but we're just not there yet right now. She, it takes her two mistakes to even realize uh, like that she's been beating herself up for the past 10 minutes. I'm like, that's okay. Let's make it nine minutes. Let's make it eight minutes, make it seven. So if it takes you two innings to get over a mistake, let's try and make it one or let's try and make it one and a half Mm -hmm. and then let's make it one and then let's make it a half. Then let's make it the moment it happens. We can move on. And so I don't care that it's not perfect and that it doesn't happen right away, but that we're making incremental steps to get better.
0: Oh, ah, I love it. Yeah, it seems much more doable. You know what I mean? For for somebody to pout for nine minutes, they always pout for ten. And be like, hey, man, you got you got six seconds to hold on to that thing, and uh, that's a big jump, you know. So,
1: and what it does is it's tangible. It's much more tangible than. If you get pissed off every time, being like, don't be pissed off. Like now, all you're doing is you're holding that in. it's gonna come out another way mm-hmm. where it's you know you can you can only fake it for so long. So I again, it's all about for me, it's all about being realistic and it's being realistic, but also holding ourselves to a standard, right? It doesn't mean that, oh, it's it's okay to act like that. It's okay. No, we have a standard. What and, and actually, you should have a standard. What is your standard? How are you going to reach that standard? What is the consequence if you don't reach that standard? Like having it be up to them is also super empowering to be like, I think I can do it in eight minutes. Great. Let's have that be our standard. Let's do it. And if we don't meet it, okay, why didn't we meet it? But not just saying, well, you just didn't meet it. That was horrible no, let's figure out why, let's get to the bottom of it. Because a lot of times it's something that is really fixable or something that we can give a skill that can empower them to do a better job next time.
0: Ah, I love it. That's ah, very good. Well, do you have any message uh, before, we, before we go here, something that we haven't covered? If you had a piece of advice for young baseball or softball player listening to this, that, uh, you know, I think it's been great to realize that, hey, these doubts, they don't go away, right? Like big leaguers, all that type of thing. We learned that today and is there anything else that you'd like to share with them, something they can do now or just anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to touch on?
1: I think the best athletes, the best entrepreneurs, the best CEOs, the best surgeons, the best soldiers, they act outside of how they feel. When their feelings don't match what they want in performance, they focus on actions not feelings and the way that we feel the way that we think and the way that we act although they interact with each other they don't have to meaning you don't have to feel good to play good you don't have to feel ready to be ready you don't have to feel confident to look confident And so you, how you feel, how you think is not a prerequisite. They can, they can be different and exist at the same time. You can not feel very confident, but hold yourself with confidence because guess what? If you give up to that picture that you're not confident in that moment, they're going to be like, I got you like, good luck. You're going back to the dugout now. It's over
0: right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's over. It's over now. Opposites true too. I've seen guys that are six, six, they look five foot seven on the mound.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so if you don't have to feel confident to look like, like get in the habit of acting, despite how you feel, get in the habit of training your behaviors, whether you feel like it or not. And that's going to require a little bit of discomfort. And guess what? The more that you do that, the more you're going to increase your tolerance for discomfort. You're not just never going to feel uncomfortable, but you're going to increase your tolerance. And so it's easy to be pissed. It's easy to show emotions. It's easy to get mad at your, get get down on yourself when things are hard. What's difficult and what, what separates the best from the rest are these skills and abilities. And so you don't need to fake it till you make it. You just need to learn to behave it. You need to teach yourself to behave these things despite how you feel, because if you're constantly if your actions follow your feelings, they will always be dictated by them. When you don't feel good, your actions aren't going to be good. When you, when you feel good, your actions are going to be good. But if you only act when you're feeling good, you're not going to get make, make much progress.
0: Wow, that was excellent. That year on Aurora, that was so good. So um, awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for being here, Lauren. Where's a place? Uh, make sure everybody's following you online. Where's, where's some good places to, uh, to follow you, see what you're working on?
1: Probably the easiest place that has all my social media handles on it is going to my website, which is laurenjohnsonandco.com, all spelled out. And then all my, my LinkedIn, my Twitter, my uh, Instagram, all that stuff is on there that you can go find.
0: Okay, cool. And we'll put the links to that here uh, in the show notes as well. And uh, again, just thank you for, for uh, being here and, and, and joining us. We appreciate learning from you.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast.
0: All right. Good talking to you. We'll talk to you soon.
1: See ya.